Ready to learn why cash flow and compassion are not mutually exclusive? Each week, brand strategist, speaker, and author Maria Ross will introduce you to the trailblazing brands and leaders who embrace empathetic tactics to reap huge rewards. You'll learn about winning teams, brand wins and fails, unforgettable customer experience, and bold leadership decisions fueled by compassion. You'll get the latest trends and research, discover practical ways to infuse more empathy into your work and life, and hear from innovative market leaders who've smashed outdated models and redefined success. Welcome to the Empathy Edge podcast, the show that proves empathy isn't just good for society, it's great for business. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the Empathy Edge. I'm your host, Maria Ross. Thanks for joining us. How do you actually create an empathetic brand? Any of you who have worked with creatives or the creative process understand at a visceral level that empathy is even more important. But how do you actually use your assumptions, your experiences, and your messaging to create a brand that truly connects with people and speaks to them? My guest today and I are going to tackle that very question. I'm speaking with Deva Guthmiller. She's a believer in connections. What connects people with brands? What connects eaters with foods? What connects businesses with environments, creativity with the process, and communities with each other? As founder and chief creative officer at Noise 13, the San Francisco-based strategy and design agency, she's the driver behind building thoughtful, sustainable brands. From sustainability to diversity to empathy and humanity, their renewed focus is to craft brands that are doing good for people and for the planet. So she's definitely my kind of people. She's a design evangelist and also the co-founder of Invisible Projects. At its core, Invisible Projects believes in the power of design. Healthy cross-functional collaboration leads to innovative decision-making. And design is the superpower that unlocks business value, but also advocates for the end user, empathy in action. Invisible Projects runs an annual conference, Invisible Talks, and also salons and smaller creative events throughout the year. And it manages the Invisible Ventures community. Deva and I talked a lot about the creative process today. We talked about how you communicate empathy and connection externally from a brand to your customers or community. We talked about the role of empathy in the creative process, and especially why you need different research modalities to make empathy a reality. We talked a lot about the fact that creativity is emotional, that you need to be able to explain to your constituents or your stakeholders or your audience what you stand for, and that every business can use their brand or their values, their influence to actually make the world a place where we can all thrive. But if there's no empathy, no understanding or humanity at the core of your marketing and your brand strategy, it will never work. Stay tuned for a great conversation. Welcome, Deva, to the Empathy Edge podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation with a fellow brand strategist today. Hi, Maria. So great to be with you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You've done some really interesting creative work and brand work, and I'd like to talk a little bit about empathy in the creative process. What does that mean? What does that look like? And how do you see empathy playing a role in the process of building great design or building great brand strategies that connect with audiences? 
Yeah. I mean, empathy starts with listening. I would say almost every single creative act that you're doing where you are designing or creating for somebody else has to start with listening. One of the great things that we do for almost any strategist does when you're looking at brand strategy, which is sort of that core, or we call it the DNA, right? Where you're mm-hmm, discovering, yeah. discovering the core of who a brand is and what that company is about. Part of that is research. And any kind of strategy research or when you're trying to get consumer insights can go a lot of different ways. And so many times people want to do quantitative research, right? Get lots and lots of questions answered, do a huge survey and much more rarely do they take the time to do qualitative research, which is that one-on-one sort of interview style. And I think for us, it's really a matter of both, right? When you're doing that one-on-one qualitative, really getting to know somebody, you're really more discovering opportunities where quantitative, even though you might be talking to a hundred people, you're really confirming assumptions. So we like to say that it's either you confirm five assumptions or you discover a hundred opportunities. And it's better to discover the opportunities first and then go ahead and confirm those afterwards if you feel like you need to. Absolutely. And I think being able to use research effectively to find the humanity and find the story. I recently did an interview with someone who's a data analyst, but from the brand perspective. And that's one of my prior episodes from this one with Alessandra Catuno, and she worked on the Dove Real Beauty campaign, as well as some other big campaigns for Ikea, and really looking at data, but finding where the correlations were. So then they could do some qualitative research and tell a story based on those relationships they were seeing. And so she talked about the fact that every data point is actually a human. And we need to remember that when we're building that and not just sort of checking a box on oh, well, the majority of people said this in a survey. So that means that's what they're really thinking and feeling. And we know as brand strategists, that isn't always the case. Sometimes there's emotion under that. There's other factors involved in how they might be communicating something in a survey or in the dreaded focus group environment. (laughs) Yeah, totally right. And I think even beyond the research and strategy phase, I think that there's this other layer of empathy when it comes to actually just bringing in the people who you are designing for, right? Instead of designing at them, designing with them. And again, that's another act of listening. And I think that this has sort of come to light very much so in 2020, where we need to make sure that we're really taking a look at who gets to be part of that process. And it's a little bit of equity, but I think more than anything, it is partially empathy, where you're really making sure that you're taking the time to even if it's not during that one-on-one interview, but like bringing people into that process. I think a lot of great direct-to-consumer brands do this, where they are listening to their consumers, where they're letting the consumers decide directions or paths that their brand or their products might take. And I think a lot of even B2B brands could take a little cue from direct-to-consumer brands Mm -hmm. where really engaging that conversation and empathizing and listening to what that end human wants and needs. There's always that like, yes, we want to push them a little further, right? Is it Henry Ford said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would say a faster horse. So there is, you know, a little (laughs) bit of that, but I think that not that I love to quote Ford, but I think that there's that sense of taking your intuition of where you could push a service or a product, but then really making sure that you're listening and engaging consumers. Absolutely. 
I love it. And I know you and I align very closely on dealing with B2B clients because it's about helping them remember that at the end of the day, they're still speaking to a human being. Yes. And even if that human being is spending the company's money, the decisions that they make, the buying decisions that they make are about impacting their own jobs, their own livelihoods, their own careers, and being able to understand and unearth what's under their decision. Yes, it could yeah. be about all of your features and functions, but it really might be about confidence, or it might be about wanting to leave a legacy or about so many other things that you can't really capture from just yes or no, do you like the product kinds of questions. (laughs) We use a term called the lifestyle lens at Noise 13, which is Mm -hmm. sort of looking at what somebody needs, what they want and how they want to be seen by Mm -hmm. others. So having an association with a brand, whether it's B2B or B2C, doesn't matter. An association with your friends, right? There is that part of me saying, I'm going to spend my money with you. I'm going to have this item, this thing in my home. I'm going to bring in your services says something about who I am, right? Especially now, right? So there's that connection of not only how do I want to feel, but how do I want to be seen by others, which is something that people need to take into account. And just like you mentioned, that could be their impact, their legacy, that could be their career advancement, their career (laughs) advancement. There could be like how they want to be seen by their kids. It could be anything. Now you've said in the past that creativity is emotional. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, creativity I'm using in a really broad sense of the word, right? So artists inherently are designing or are creating for themselves and they're putting their emotions and their experience on view for others where design, any kind of design is really designing for others but you're bringing your whole experience to that process and the whole experience of the person that you're designing for, which Mm -hmm. means you're having to pay attention to those emotions, right? And the smaller the business and the smaller the team, the more emotional it becomes, (laughs) right? Exactly. And it's, if you think about like a really small business and it's two people, they're just starting out. Most people, if they don't come from a business degree background, like, they're solving their own problem, their own challenge, right? They're using their own money. They're putting themselves out there and becoming like, okay, I'm going to test the waters. I'm going to take this risk. Like all of those things are emotional, mm-hmm. right? So when you come to them and be like, oh, I hate this and I hate that. And you need this. And it's like, oh, like I did that myself or my cousin did that. You have to remember the emotions that come with that act of creation for mm-hmm. the business and the act of consumption for the consumer. But I think that act of creativity, I mean, designers are inherently putting themselves out there, right? Most designers are saying, this is my work. This is my thought. This is how I want to present this. And it is coming, yes, from research, but it's also somebody's personal style. And anytime you put that out there, even if it's not art, if it is design and solving a challenge, there is a little bit of emotion that happens there, Mm -hmm. right? And the more that we can separate our emotions of like putting ourselves out there as designers and make it about who we're serving Mm -hmm. and their emotions, the better. I love that. And it's so true. I was just having this conversation earlier this morning with someone about the fact that, especially when you're working with small businesses or solopreneurs or micro businesses, the business is their baby. They are the business and the business is them. So even if you... I always talk about my approach with clients. I warn them ahead of time that it's about tough love because if I yes them to death, I can't help them, right? Yeah. 
but I also do that with a very, it is tough love and it's down to anything down to the colors on their website or how their logo looked. And they might be like, well, here's what it meant to me, or here's why I did it that way when I started the business or that offering's not very good for my clients. That was the one I love doing the most or, you know, whatever it is, it's very much a personal proposition. And I remember talking to a friend years ago who has run several of her own companies. And I remember her getting very upset that there was a friend of hers who was no longer sponsoring one of her events. Mm. And it actually was a great business decision because the audience that her events attracted was not the audience that this woman's business needed to attract. So I did the typical, well, you know, that's kind of just a business decision. It wasn't really personal. And she said, but my business is me and I'm my business and not right or wrong, but it was just interesting to remember that that's the perspective of many people, especially when they are the founder or they are the business owner is it's their baby. Oh yeah. And I'm exactly that person, right? So I started my company. I started my company (laughs) when I was in my twenties, right? My business is almost 21 years old and it is very personal to me. I was one of the main designers for 15 years Mm -hmm. and there's the things that I notice and the things that I care about are very different than even my employees or the people who interact with our brand, right? Because Mm -hmm. it is really, really personal. I mean, Mm -hmm. super good example in 2013, 13 year anniversary for noise 13, (laughs) we decided, we decided to like actually do a formal brand strategy for ourselves, which we had not ever done. And we went through the process for about I don't know, three, four months. And I just couldn't do it. It was too personal. I was too close. I couldn't see, even though this is something we do for others. So we did hire an outside consulting firm specifically to do that audit and Mm -hmm. that strategy piece for us to remove me from that side of the research. And it was one, just really, really helpful to remove me from that Mm -hmm. process. Um, (laughs) But also it made me have this insane sense of empathy to my clients around what it feels like to go through that, right? So I'm like, I've been there. I know how it feels. I know how it feels to pay for it. I know how it feels to hear the feedback. I know how impactful it could be on your business to like have somebody else look at that in-depth view of who you are and what you stand for. But yeah, it had to be removed. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes that's the most empathetic thing to do for someone is if you want to provide that objectivity and same, we do this work for clients, but sometimes the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Oh yeah. (laughs) So so I want to talk about this idea of marketing with empathy, meaning communicating externally and you get the research, you get the insights, you try to understand the customer as much as you can. How does that then translate into empathetic communication, whether visual or verbal communication? What does that look like? I think one good example that I could talk about is a project that we did with the San Francisco General Hospital Foundation. We have been working with them for about a year and a half, kind of little projects here and there. And the foundation is the nonprofit fundraising arm that supports the efforts and the research and whatever the hospital needs. Mm -hmm. And we were doing that brand positioning, brand strategy piece for them, and then figuring out, okay, what does that then translate out visually? Like, do we need a new identity? Do we need new systems and tools? Do we Mm -hmm. need just new messaging? Mm -hmm. And we sort of hit on two things at the same time. One was once we got through the strategy, 
the whole board would agreed with us, but then we got to round one design mm-hmm. and showed three options and the board was split three ways. <laughs> and as beautiful as those designs were, we missed the disconnect of how emotionally tied to the visual identity the board was to the foundation logo. To to the existing identity that they had. Yeah. Okay. But that also brought up, are we our own thing? Are we an organization that only supports the hospital? Or are we an organization that supports the hospital and the community? And Mm -hmm. our three directions highlighted those three different like brand positioning Mm -hmm. opportunities. And so what ended up happening is that we ended up taking a pause until they brought in a new board president, CEO, to sort of bring the team together. Mm-hmm. So the messaging was sticking and the messaging was amazing, mm-hmm. but visually there was this disconnect. So we actually did decide to keep the original identity and then build more systems and tools around that to modernize. So mm. kind of the best of both worlds. And then also in that process, one of the other reasons why we had a big pause with them was COVID happened. So Mm. we had just finished our strategy work and we were having a conversation around what is it that we can do to motivate and sort of support the doctors and nurses Mm -hmm. in this crazy time. And they had a construction fence, this sort of the walkway into how the doctors and nurses got to work. Like, oh, we could put some great messaging there and talk about how supportive and how great they are. And that's really awesome. But like, why don't we also involve the community, right? Right. So we had to think about how could we do that in a way that was both sensitive to what people are kind of scared at the beginning of COVID, but they also were all about like frontline workers and really supporting those people who were helping Mm us. Mm -hmm. So we ran a campaign, um, both in the newspaper and on social around, it takes the heart of all of the community to support Mm -hmm. the doctors and nurses who then need to support people who are sick to make this happen. And part of that was to gain quotes and feedback and photos from the community, which we then used to put on the fence. Right. Mm. So we used the actual pictures of people, the actual quotes from the community. Mm-hmm. We gave the community like these big cutout hearts that they could put in their windows. But this two way conversation was just so much more impactful than just us telling, instead of just the board telling the doctors and nurses how great they are, letting the community be part of that process and sort of really bring them in to rally. And I know a lot of other organizations and businesses had that rallying cry pretty heavily for a few months there in the beginning. I know everyone's getting tired of COVID, but (laughs) um, the powerful motivation of doctors and nurses to show up every day just needs to be kind of celebrated and we just need to keep them moving. So I think that, again, sort of being sensitive to what the community was going through and not have it be this closed piece of communication with just the board and the hospital, I think was another way to just kind of open up the empathy, which is really part of that foundation. They're literally in the middle of the city. They do so much for the community and for the hospital. I mean, it's been a pleasure to work with them, but it was also this, an overspill of empathy and Mm -hmm. in a marketing program. I mean, it's it's all that it's about. Well, I think that's the important thing when we talk about empathetic brands and what does Mm -hmm. that mean? It really comes down to people and 
how you are not just what you're putting out, but how are you creating an interaction and a conversation with your customers or your prospects? There's more empathy in the process if you can involve them into how you're portraying yourself in the world. If you know things like in tech, for example, customer advisory boards or user conferences or things like that, like yeah. how are you involving them in the experience and not just involving them by marketing to them? Yeah. Right. And having it be so one way. Yeah. And I do think brands have done an amazing job the last three, four years of mm-hmm. really engaging people. I mean, social media has sort of opened up that opportunity mm-hmm. for that two-way dialogue, whether brands wanted it or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and I think those that have embraced it are doing so much better. Right. And it's just being aware of what the human is thinking about people as humans and not as consumers. Exactly. Thinking about them as humans and not as business contracts. Sales targets. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, way back when we interviewed Kara Golden, who's the CEO and founder of Hint, she mm. talked a lot about the fact that the reason for their success is that they leveraged social media to create that relationship with their yeah. customers, to get feedback, to find out what they liked, what they didn't, how they were using the product. They used it as so much more than just an outbound marketing channel. And that's when you use social media, right? That's where it can be really powerful. And that's where you can really create a relationship where, like you said earlier, people feel like the brand they're supporting says something about them, whether B2B or B2C, you know, the fact that you say, I use zoom or I use whatever, you know, I use Apple products. It says something about you. And a lot of that is about having a two-way dialogue between the brand and its external audiences. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I would say it's external, but it's also internal. Yes. I don't want to forget like No, it's it's know. gotta start from the inside out. It has to it has to. And one of the big things about a brand strategy is values, right? Mm-hmm. What are the values of the company? What do you stand for? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was one of those things that when we did our work, our strategy work at Noise back in the day, one of the things that came up was how collaborative we are and how empowering we are to our employees. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't think about that as a differentiator. I just thought everyone was like that, but they're not. And it's, we just had our team offsite, albeit online over the last two weeks. And I was reminded again from our creative director that the way that we engage our internal team and the openness and the opportunity that we give our team to make decisions for the future of the company Mm -hmm. is very much in that vein of collaboration and transparency and empowerment, but it's also giving them a sense of the fact that they don't just work at or for noise. They work with noise. It's not just a job, but they can actually create the space where they'd like to be. The amount of information that we share every year with our employees is Mm -hmm a lot, especially for small business. Most (laughs) small businesses don't share as much as we do or allow the whole team to impact where we move, you know, who Mm -hmm. we reach out to, how are we going to work together in the future? Mm -hmm. What is our office space going to look like in 2021? And there's, again, coming back to working with creatives, you have a bunch of people who are inherently emotional, but also we have natural disasters and pandemics and politics and divisions of the nation happening Mm -hmm. right now. So you layer on all of those things. And by the way, we're going to work together and be profitable. (laughs) So I think that there's this 
having a space for your team and your clients to express their emotions, you know, whether it's before a meeting, like, hey, this is where I'm at today, or having that safe space for them to just, especially right now, take care of their emotional needs is super important. But going back to your company values and making sure that those aren't just expressed externally, but that they're expressed internally and how you deal with your team will make people feel it externally. That's what makes an authentic brand is if you're living the brand from the inside out and not just telling the market that you are all these things to them, meanwhile, treating your employees horribly. (laughs) But you know, that's the thing where if we talk about these values like transparency or trust or integrity, how are your internal practices and systems and policies living that out with your employees? Like that's the hard part of branding. And that's always sort of the eye-opening thing at least with my clients, where mm-hmm. we're not going to go there, but you have to think about what you're doing internally. You have to think about yeah. who you're hiring. You have to think about how you're onboarding people. Are you telling a consistent story internally and externally? And that's usually an epiphany for them. Yeah. And especially nowadays, it's all that social media, Indeed, Glassdoor, whatever. Like if you're not doing what you're saying- It's not in alignment. It's yeah. going to come out. It's going right. to come out. And it's right. like so detrimental to the brand. It's like, don't promise it if you're not going to do it. Find those things that are real and true to who you are and how you're going to operate mm-hmm. um, and stick to that, right? Yeah. Because the minute you say, oh, we're this, or we promise this, and then you don't do it, you've right. lost trust. And that's to your customer, to your business partners, to your employees. So mm-hmm. it, it's super important. All brand is, is a promise. And if you don't have trust, you break that promise. And it's a lot harder to get it back again. Yeah, it's definitely a promise. And I think it's also the experience of that promise. Yes. So you can promise it all you want, but if somebody never feels it, if they don't walk away with that experience, then it's not your brand, no matter how much you say it is. Right. Exactly. And that's why when you talk to companies about like, well, this looks really good on your website. So what are your policies and how is your product being designed? And what is the actual experience of doing business with you? Yeah. So you've just made a promise visually and verbally to someone experientially, how are you keeping that promise? Because that's what's going to matter is when you say these things or you portray this image in the marketplace, someone's going to go, yeah, I really want to be part of that tribe. I really want to do business with that company. And then they do business with you. And that is not what they experience. (laughs) Then it just comes back to bite you. And you know, that's where it's, and then they tell 50 friends and negative Yelp reviews and all that stuff. But so as we wrap up, can you talk to us about your passion project around invisible talks? Oh yeah. My goodness. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Invisible talks is a design conference. It's happening in January, which is all about the behind the scenes of design. We say it's a process inspiration and challenge. So making the invisible parts of creativity visible and really sharing how we got there rather than Mm -hmm. here's what I did. And we like to bring together cross-functional creatives. So it doesn't matter if you're a product designer or an architect or graphic designer, that activity or that process and art or craft of designing is pretty much the same, you know, regardless of your medium. And we're feeling like we just learn so much more from each other when we get insight from industries that aren't exactly if I'm a shoe designer and I talk to an architect, I might learn something totally new and come mm-hmm. up with something really innovative. I think that one of the biggest joys for us with Invisible was 
getting to know people that we really admired, but also getting them to talk about stuff that really matters and inspires people. It's not a joke, but it's the truth of like, somebody's going to cry at Invisible. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, this is not your typical design conference. I mean, it's right. two women, my business partner, Ariana, and I have both been in the industry for 20 plus years each. And mm-hmm. we wanted to talk about the deeper stuff. And when a speaker can really go there and be vulnerable and open up, it shows that somebody else can do that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. It also helps. We have a lot of women on stage. That's like a big goal of ours. That's um, great. To yeah. give people who normally don't get the chance to speak a chance on stage. So whether that's your age or your industry or your background or your medium or mm-hmm. whatever it is, we want a really diverse set of people on stage and diverse thinking, but also trying to connect to that audience as well. I love it. Very excited. Fourth year going virtual this time. That's Uh, great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Deva, for your insights today and sharing so much around brand strategy and the role of empathy. It's so great to talk to a colleague about these issues. And please tell folks, even though it'll be in the show notes for folks listening, tell folks how they can get in touch with you and find out more about Noise 13. Oh yeah. Super easy to find. Our website's just noise13.com. I'm super easy to find. If you just search my name, you'll find me everywhere. (laughs) Um, And then Invisible Talks website. You can also find the conference there, or you can go to 2021.invisibletalks.com but just invisible talks you'll find as well. So yeah, I mean, it helps when you've been had the same email and been around for 20 plus years at the same company. We're real easy to find. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, thank you so much again. And for everyone listening, hope you got some great nuggets out of today. Thank you as always for listening to the Empathy Edge. Please make sure to subscribe and rate and review. Tell your friends. And as you go forth, remember that empathy is a competitive advantage. Be sure to use it. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Empathy Edge. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with others who want to redefine success and change the game. For more on how empathy makes you and your brand more successful, visit TheEmpathyEdge.com. There, you can download a free guide outlining five business benefits of empathy and a free sample chapter of Maria's book, The Empathy Edge. Until next time, remember that a more empathetic world starts with you and leads to tremendous success.